Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Well, good morning. Ah, back to the non-summer crowd. This is good, man. It's good to see you this morning. If you've got your Bibles, it is summer. It just doesn't look like a summer crowd, right? First service. Mark, Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Yeah, man. This is going to be good. We don't know what we're doing, but it's going to be good. Turn to somebody and say, this is really going to be good. Dr. Ron and Libby Hamilton are here, and we've been kicking around this message for about 24 hours. And, uh, and we've got all kind of things that we possibly could do. We're just going to try to follow the Lord as we do it. Amen? What we want to do, one of the things that I want you to be really clear on is we're not here today to put on a program for you so that you can be as a participant, an audience member who's going to watch a program. That's not what we're designed to do. That's not what we want to be about. So we just want to go ahead and tell you that right now. What we are is the family of God who have gathered together to hear the voice of God and to be transformed by it. Is that right? That's right. That's what we're here for. That's what, what, what we want to happen. And so one of the things that I want to talk about this morning is just uh, this idea of making sure that you are in fellowship and relationship with God. And, uh, and it's more than an intellectual exercise. Faith is believing. It mess you up. You know, it, it, is, it is understanding who God is and understanding who you are in Him. The, the title of the message this morning is Experiential Faith. And the reason I want to talk to you about that in just a moment is I think it is the most important aspect of, of making sure that you're growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ the way you should as an individual. Oftentimes we look to others and we identify with other people and, and you see it all the time and, and we actually uh, are satisfied. It's almost like watching television as, a, as somebody who played sports and you, you kind of get your, your giggles by watching them instead of doing it anymore. You become a couch potato and get all fat instead of actually getting out there and doing some things and you get satisfied with it. It's similar in the, in, with our faith. We see people respond in faith and in the glory of the Lord. We hear stories and stories and stories and we identify with that, yet we're not, we don't have our own story. And, 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 and there is this, uh, there's this thought process out there if you, if you get online and some social media that experiential faith is, is not really good faith. You shouldn't rely on experiential faith. You just should rely on the Word of God. And I just want to let you know that, that every experience I've had with Jesus Christ lines up with the Word of God. There's nothing in here that has that that I that my life has contradicted when I had an encounter with God. What it did, it validated who God is and who He said He would be in my life. It, it, the, the, there's not this there's not this uh, theological mindset being developed because of my experiences. My experiences has validated what I've already read in the Word of God. And so you don't separate those two. 
and, and, and what we find is that faith is, faith is deposited in us by seed of revelation. You get revelation from God either by reading the word or hearing somebody preach or, or maybe you're just walking down the road or maybe you just have an encounter with God. One of the, one of the big experiences that I've had in the faith is I, on the Appalachian Trail one time I ran into a guy who had started in Maine, which is where I believe it starts. Is it Maine that the Appalachian Trail starts? Moving south, he started like in, in the spring in Maine so he could, uh, you know, or, or the summer in Maine or something. So he, he, by the time he got to Georgia, you know, he, uh, it wouldn't be snowing on him the whole way. He was, he's tracking through the woods. And he, he, he decided he was going to go on this spiritual journey. And he wanted to discover something spiritual. He just didn't know what it was. But one thing he knew he didn't want to discover, and he never wanted to hear that Jesus was Lord. You know, because his parents were both professors at a university, and he had been taught that type of educational response to Jesus that we see so oftentimes in our educational system today. And he didn't want to see Jesus. But he, he said along the trail, he kept feeling a presence. And day after day, night after night, there was a presence with him to the point, like day three or day four, he just said out loud, who are you? And the presence answered back, Jesus. And it was such a revelation to this kid who didn't want to hear anything about Jesus spiritually that he gave his life to Christ on the trail without anybody ever presenting to him the gospel. And when we met him in North Carolina, his New Testament Bible was torn apart. He had ravaged through that thing, and his testimony about God was amazing. That kind of experience will grow your faith. And it lines up with everything Scripture says. If you look in the Bible, what you're going to find is that everybody in Scripture had experiential faith. One of the ones that I want to talk about most, and if I can get through some of them, I'm probably not going to get through all of them, but one of them, and it starts with Moses. Moses had incredible experiential faith. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, he started off like this. He started off where his, 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 uh, his mother was his maid to, to Pharaoh's wife. And she raised him. And she obviously at some point told him about his heritage and who he was. And he, was, he, he embraced that heritage. And then when he saw abuse in that heritage, he took matters into his own hands. In other words, intellectually, he had bought into the God of the Hebrews. And then he began to move forward with that thinking and take matters into his own hands. And he, and he killed the Egyptian, right? And then what happened? And then he flees to the wilderness, and he stays in the wilderness for 40 years. How many of you have been taught lessons by God in the wilderness? So you, you see all this happening, but what you see is a guy that intellectually receives the news of God. And then betry, tries to embark on that news in his own power. It never works. 
It never works. It didn't work for Moses. It's not going to work for you. And so what happens is that Moses begins to, to, he is humbled. He changes his whole stature. Everything about him changes. He, he gets a wife. He gets a bride. And then one day he's walking and he sees a burning bush that is not consumed. And he goes to the burning bush and he has discovered that the presence of the Lord is there. And there's a voice. You think he saw the voice? You think he saw anything other than a burning bush that's not consumed? He didn't see a thing. But he heard a voice that said, you're on holy ground. And he took off his shoes because that was the command. It's interesting that you'll find that Moses did exactly what Jesus said do. And so from this experience, his whole idea of who God was changed. His next experience was he throws down his rod and it turns into a stake. And he reaches down and grabs it and it turns back into a rod. He had this miraculous experience of the nature and the character of God because that's what God wants to do is to bring revelation through these experiences, not only of his nature and his character towards you that line up with scripture, but also that you would discover how much, how big a treasure you are to him. Can you imagine one second that, the, that you could have some kind of encounter with God they created this whole thing that we're walking in. I saw pictures the other day of the earth from the, the satellite that's way out there. And there's a dude on it. And this is supposed to be live. I don't know. I don't know. It's a space center of some sort. And, it, you know, I don't know exactly what it was. But it was amazing to look at the earth from that position. And think that the one who spoke that into existence, who brought chaos into order so that it could sustain life wants to have an encounter with you and me. Yes. And he wants you to understand that, that he's with you. He will not forsake you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to give you wisdom. He wants to help you accomplish what he designed you for. And, and, and you're not going to get that just by intellectual exercise of reading the word. Now that is a great thing. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. This is the word of God. But God's alive. He's not dead. He's a spirit. He fills us up. I mean, the church even goes to the place sometimes in, for, in some aspects of the church. Think that you can actually have an encounter with the universal uh, uh, God who created the cosmos, who is still expanding, by the way, because he spoke it and didn't say stop. <laughs> That God lives in you. Yeah. That you're the temple of the Holy Spirit and that you could be filled to overflowing where live, living waters, rivers of living waters flow from you and somehow not know it. How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit and not have an encounter with God that you know about? How can that happen? Let me just propose something. I don't think it can. I think you're going to have to have an experience on a personal level where you encounter the presence of God and that you understand that you're engulfed by him, that you're baptized, that you're, you're submerged in the presence of God to the point 
with the temple is filled. The only problem with that is we leak and we need to be refilled. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you need another encounter. And another encounter. And a, and a dependency upon God. And so it's experience after experience after experience. If you'll look at Acts, what you'll see in Acts is that the church, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 4, says they were praying and they were boldly doing And it said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again. And they began to proclaim the word of God with boldness. There was an action that went with that filling. There was a response to that. So, God has this encounter, or Moses has this encounter with God, and God has this encounter with Moses and the burning bush and the staff, but you don't have encounters without instruction. The encounter is so that you can know who God is, know who you are, and then begin to be, get, get about God's plan for you. And so generally God reveals something to you so that he can give you instruction. I'm telling you all this because I don't think you can become or, or, or reach your destiny without having these types of encounters with God. Because with these encounters generally comes instruction. And then you begin to go out. And that's what happened with Moses. He got instruction. And what did Moses do? The same thing you do. He started coming up with excuses of why he couldn't do what God asked him to do. Right? It's just a, it's our, our natural bent toward, Lord, I can't do that. And he goes, I know you can't. If Moses can't do it, you can't do it either. The problem with Christianity today is too many people are trying to do it in their own flesh. And that out of the power and the overflow of the presence of God in their lives. Right, yeah. And so there needs to be an outpouring of the Spirit of God that can do more than you can do on your own. And that's called grace. It's called grace. There's a revelation that comes to you with instruction and then grace to go with you. And then you see all the wonderful works of Moses. Now listen. Here's where people kind of come against this experiential faith is they, they think, you know, uh, it, it could steer you wrong. Well, not if it lines up with the word. Well, well, wonder if it's never happened before. Well, that doesn't mean it doesn't line up with the word. The miraculous is the miraculous. In other words, God doesn't have to repeat the miraculous for it to line up with the word. It just needs to be miraculous, and it needs to have a redemptive quality. Right? And so, can you imagine Moses getting to the rest? First of all, all the plagues. None of those plagues had ever happened before, and they never would. Can you imagine the instruction and what Moses would do when God would give him the instruction? This is what I want you to do, really. You're kidding me, right? No, I'm not kidding you. Go get it. And then the deliverance. But not only was it the deliverance, but what God did is he gathered up all the gold, the booty from Egypt and gave it to the Israelites. They paid Israel to leave. That's right. 
They paid them to leave. And, 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 and Moses is watching us. Wow, they're paying us to leave. First of all, they wouldn't let us go. Now they give us all the gold and tell us to get out of here. And when they built the articles of the tabernacle, Egypt had given them so much gold. Moses said, stop bringing that gold. It was, it was so, and it's in abundance. So it wasn't a little bit, it was a lot. It was God's provision. So Moses watches that, and then he gets to the Red Sea. And then the Egyptian army's there. And God puts a wall of fire between Israel and Egypt. I don't think it's a coincidence that Moses sees him in a burning bush. And then there's a, a wall of fire between. And so while that, they go across the Red Sea on dry ground. Do you think when God said to Moses, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to step into that water and I'm going to part it. Well, Lord, does that line up with Scripture? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure I'll, I'm not sure. You really want Go. It parts. They cross over. They have this incredible encounter with God. Moses does on the mountain. His whole complexion's changed because he's been in, in the glory of the Lord. And he comes down and they actually veil him because, because Moses doesn't want to see it fade. Joshua saw all that. Here's the proclamation to Joshua. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. Say that with me. Moses is dead. What's so big about Moses being dead? Well, that means it's your turn, Joshua. It's your turn. You go. Joshua was in... Egypt. Joshua saw the plagues. Joshua saw the fire. Joshua went across the river. Joshua, or the, uh, the sea. Joshua sees Moses on the mountain of God and sees the presence and the glory of God from a distance. Joshua watches that. So he sees all that and he experienced all that, but it was Moses' experience. Even though Joshua was there, he was looking and saying, it's because of Moses. It's Moses and God. It's Moses and God. It's Moses and God. Moses is dead. Oh, my. What are we going to do now? It's you, Joshua. First words, Joshua chapter 1. What's it say? Let's read it together. Only Joshua... Be strong and very courageous. That's not very good reading. All right. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So Joshua's first response is fear, which is our response oftentimes is fear. But the Lord's command to him is go, be obedient, and be courageous. 
Courage is not an absence of fear. It's going ahead and doing what God asked you to do in spite of fear. So Joshua does all that, and then he begins to see God doing things for him, including Jericho and Ai, just the capture of the whole land that was promised. Joshua had his own experiences. Peter walked with Jesus, but it wasn't until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit until he got it. And this is what I want you to hear. So you see Peter, you see Jesus. Everybody's walking around. They're seeing Jesus do all these miracles. And Jesus sends out the 12 and then he sends out the 70. And they all come back and they go, wow! They're even subject to us. That we've got power. And they experienced themselves. And the church grew in favor and knowledge with God. Now here's what I want you to hear. The 12 and the 70 are dead. They're dead. What next? You. But Lord... Be strong and courageous. Make sure you do what I ask you to do and don't swerve to the left or to the right. My way is righteous and you will prosper it as you go. You'll, you'll do it. You, how do you do You have to begin to have your own experiences. Paul, he was zealous for God. But he was confused until he saw Jesus face to face in a great light shone. He was blinded by the light. And somebody wrote a song about that just not long ago. Blinded by the light. No. That's, <laughs> I look to my musicians for affirmation. The older musician. He was zealous for God, but until he had an encounter with Jesus, until he had an experiential walk with God, it, 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 he, he was missing the mark. That's good. So how about you? I can remember, I'm just going to run through just a few, and then I'm going to kind of, I'm going to hand this thing off to, to, to a friend of mine. And I'm going to tell you why here in just a minute. Because God's doing something. And it's important. I said it last time. I'm going to say it in here. But when I was 12 years old, I got touched by God somehow. I don't know exactly how it works. I was 10 or 12 years old. I can't remember. But I, I made a profession of faith somehow in the Lord. But I didn't follow God from 12 years old to 28 years old. I went to church every Sunday or I got my butt whipped. But I didn't follow the Lord. And then when I was 28 years old, I got, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that I didn't even know existed. I experienced the presence of God. I didn't even know you could do it. 
because my, my theology that I've been taught, my doctrine I've been taught all my life didn't experience the, the presence of the Lord like that. So I had to go to the scriptures to find out what I just experienced. And it lined up perfectly. And, and so I can remember, I, I got surprised by the Holy Spirit. Then I got delivered from addiction, nicotine addiction at 28 years old. I can remember a time when, a, when God slowed down time. I flipped a lawnmower, a big, a big lawnmower on a berm down at the coast. And it flipped over backwards and the blades were coming down. I'm laying on the ground and I watched the Lord stop time so that I could move. And there was no way that I should have been able to get out from underneath that lawnmower. And it, and it hit the ground. But even before that... Before I got saved at 28, I can remember coming back from a, a trip and I experienced something in the back seat to such a degree that I was looking in the rearview mirror, my unsaved, reaching in the back seat to see if anything's in there. But the presence of the Lord is there or, or an angelic host that was guarding me at the time until I came to a place where I acknowledged God. I don't know. But it was, a, it was an experience to let me know, especially in later years when I got some understanding, that that's what happened. That I, that I had my eye on you a long time before you had your eye on me. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. But I can point back to that and know that the Lord, he loved me and he had his eye on me. I can remember in the, in, the, in the Cascade Mountains where I was walking with about an 80-pound pack on my back and the presence of the Lord came on me so greatly that I fell to my knees and began to cry, holy, holy, holy. He told me I was on holy ground. And I remember as I'm praising him walking, the presence was so strong that I'm, I'm on the ground worshiping God in the middle of nowhere by myself. And it wasn't long after that that we planted two churches in Columbia. We planted the Columbia Church, and that church planted the Irmo Church. I can remember a time in our kitchen where Liz was struggling with discouragement and depression. And the Lord, in his timing, not mine, delivered her on the kitchen floor. And it's never been back. It's just gone. That experience with God let me know he was, he was our healer. I had a heart attack. Many of you know. I've had two, but the first one. I'm so grateful for the Lord for. You mean, what do you mean? Well, I had a heart attack for an hour and 30 minutes. I'm still here. But listen, listen to me. I'm in a boat. I'm out away from things. I come back. I actually get back into a place of civilization after about 45 minutes. I, I, I want you to know how important this is. You think this is coincidental? It's just not. I come back to this place. I get into the lodge. I've been at least 45 minutes in full, board, full out heart attack. And there's a woman that just happens to be at this place. And when I get back, she begins to pray in the spirit over me. And this is what she prayed on a continuous basis. Death, 
You have no place here. This man will live. He will not die. He will live. He will not die. And pray in the spirit and then come out of it. He will live and he will not die. He will live and he will not die. For such a time as that, she was there for me. You know, she's not there anymore. I've gone back to thank her multiple times. Actually, I went back fishing, and then I went in to thank her. And uh, <laughs> y'all didn't get that, and I went right over your head. Just seeing if you were paying attention. My son had MS for about, you know, just a few weeks. And healed. Crying out of prayer. Experiences will build your faith. The revelation of the nature and the character of God. Well, what about all those? Listen, I don't look to God and say, God, why do I have a heart attack? I know that. That's ribeyes and sugar. <laughs> and smoking for those years, maybe. But, you know, I quit at a pretty young age. But all those things are, you know, but it's not about that. It's thank you, Lord, for showing me who you were and showing me that your eye is on me. It was on me right then. You care for me. You, you wanted, it's born out of those experiences. What are yours? Encounters build our faith. They don't, they don't, they aren't elevated over the word of God. They confirm the word of God. Encounters reveal the nature of God. Encounters reveal the love of God for us. Dr. Ron and Libby Hammond, I might ask Ron to come in just a second. That's just, that's like a 30 second warning. And he's just going to talk to us out of his heart. He's not prepared. He is always prepared, but he's going to talk to us about this. But I just want to share why he's here. He and Libby have been on a month sabbatical because they, they're changing roles. They're, they're, they're no longer, they have uh, stepped down from being the campus pastors at the West Campus. Uh, were you or I first? I, was, I started Columbia. Did I transition into, or did you, or did you, uh, was West the first one? I, it was me. Yeah, it was me, and then, and then you started the, the, right behind me. The, uh, the, the West Campus, uh, which is a huge satellite campus. He has resigned there, and he is uh, he's in process of doing the Jesus School of Ministry there and trying to discover what, what it looks like. I, I'm saying this because I really want you to understand something. They, they've been traveling all over the West, and they came to Asheville, and then it didn't quite work out the Asheville, so they were going home. Well, they got to Columbia, and, and, and he was just not settled in his spirit because he felt like he needed to discuss this information with Liz and I, he and, he and Libby, and just to have somebody to share what he thought God was saying to him and then begin to pray and worship and, and get with someone who had the ability to maybe hear from heaven or just a possibility. Not that Liz and I could, but that, that maybe. Because he, he wants to do exactly what God wants him to do. What I'm talking about here, Canyon, is that he's in the same place at 63 that you are right now. You're, he's asking the Lord, what's next, God? And, and I don't want to be embarking on anything that's not what you have me to embark on. Well, God is that way with you. You, you, you need to be experiencing 
with someone life to such a degree that you can trust whether they hear from heaven or not and you can begin to share your dreams and visions that God has for you and get affirmation and confirmation that you're following God, that you're doing the right things and you're moving forward in Him. He wants to reveal those things to you. It never stops. And it's not for preachers. It is for preachers, but it's not for preachers. You get what I'm saying? It's for the body of Christ. It's for the sons and daughters of God. Are you asking God about that stuff? Do you expect to hear from heaven? Do you expect an experiential revelation of the nature and character of God and who you are in him with instruction? That's huge, isn't it? That doesn't sound like what the church is trying to produce these days. But that's what God's church is supposed to produce. Because the 12 and the 70, they're dead. Yes? Let's give Ron a big hand as he comes and just shares him up. Just talk, man. Oh, there it is right there. All right, that's so good, Alex. That is so good. You can chew on that and, and you can live in that, right? That word right there. You can walk in it. We've been talking about this message because God does want us to experience his word. I love, I was just writing down, before you mentioned it, I was writing down the whole thing about Luke 9. Jesus lived in a teaching and a doing culture. Hear that? Teaching and then going out and experiencing it. He demonstrated, thank you, Libby. He demonstrated everything that he taught. Yes. Because he wanted people to see this unseen God in the reality that they could actually experience him. Don't you know when the Red Sea did part, they saw in the scene what an unseen God can do. And I'm telling you, that is what people in our culture right now need to see. They need to see the reality of an unseen God in the seen world. Because the unseen God is more real than what we see. And he's calling us as God's people all through Scripture for us to experience what God is calling us to. Through the authority. I love that song. I cannot keep it to myself. Because God wants us to carry his love, his goodness, to a generation that's hungry for him. So when they see people get healed, when they see people get set free from drugs and alcohol, when they see people change, they see the reality, they see what an unseen God can do. And that's why he's calling us. You know, you mentioned at the beginning, but when people fuss about or they are afraid of experiences, when you start hearing people talk about how we can read God's word, but be careful with experiences, because you might get deceived. 
I'm telling you, if you don't have experiences with God, you are deceived. It's already happened. And he was really careful to not only demonstrate that God's authority and power changes lives, but he sent his disciples out. First to 12. And if you read Luke 9, it is really comical. It is funny. As you, as you give people power and authority, how many of you know that we'll steal people? And we, kinda can, we can mess it up. You have to be comfortable with messes as you're seeing this revival culture grow. You have to be comf comfortable that, that people may mishandle the authority and power. What do you do? What did Jesus do? He just basically pastored them. You see in Luke 9, for he gives them power and authority, and it says over all demons and to heal diseases. How many of you know when that happens, the unseen God shows up in the seen world and people's lives get changed. And that is what God is about, is seeing the lives of people change. He's seeing his goodness. I wrote this down for, for what I'm about. This is this last few weeks. This is my call. This is what I've been prepared for. I've been prepared for this time right now. Everything that God has put in me is for such a time as this, seeing believers who are lovers of God carrying kingdom goodness into the heart of our culture to see societal transformation that looks more and more like heaven on earth. For heaven to be seen on the earth. So Luke 9, he gives disciples power and authority and they go out and they see amazing things happen. And then they come back, and one of the first things, one of the disciples say, Jesus, what about this guy over there who is casting out demons? He's not with us. Competition. Lord, Lord they're, not, they're not with us. And Jesus said, leave them alone. Leave them alone. What they're doing is in my name. And then the next verse, they're having trouble going through Samaria. So Peter and John filling their oats, right? Said, Lord, can we call fire down upon them? Because they were beginning to understand the authority that they had. And of course, that's misusing your authority. But Jesus just you don't know what spirit you are. And he, he just coached them. He pastored them into walking in the very goodness of God. Experience is so needed. Nicodemus said, teacher, you are from God because of the things that you do. Acts 1. It says, I want you to know everything that Jesus taught and demonstrated. So it's time for the body of Christ just to realize the authority that we have. And it's never going to be comfortable. Right? Walking with God and, and, and pushing the envelope with what he wants to do in people's lives. When you're sitting there and you know God's about to want to do something. And, you, and to me, it's like the, the black diamond ski slope. Is you're at the top of it and you're sensing God wants to do. He wants to touch somebody. He wants you to speak, give them a different option. People need a different option in life right now. And you're sitting at the top of the diamond ski slope and the Lord's calling you to step out and you just got to push off and step into it. And that's what God's calling for. We have to experience God. And he's right there to, for us to experience his power and authority. And his love, it's his goodness yeah. that he wants to release into people's lives. Yes. 
But one scripture that has really been just messing with me, it's in Mark 8. I think you mentioned Mark 8, didn't you? Mark 8, if you can hear this, how Jesus so wanted his disciples, every, every miracle, everything he did was to bring them into a new place of understanding that he's a God of abundance, he's a God of healing, that he can do anything. There's nothing that God can't do, that he's the God of the impossible. So you, you read through Mark, he's doing all these miracles. Early in Mark 8, he's feeding 4,000. And then they get into a boat. It's so funny, it's so much like us. And they had forgotten to bring bread, verse 14. They didn't have one loaf with them. And he was talking to them about, watch out. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And he was really talking to them about, and this is so important for this day, the leaven of the Pharisees, the leaven of religion that's bathed in the fear of man. Or the leaven of politics, which is so bathed in the fear of man. But what happened with them? It goes right over their head. Because then it says they begin to discuss with one another that they had no bread. They were like afraid that someone didn't bring bread for lunch. And God had, and Jesus had just fed 4,000. So the miracles of God, what God does in our life, everything Alex talked about, it raises up our level of experience in God. It raises up our faith to a new place. He was always wanting his disciples to start from a new place. I just fed, you watched me feed 4,000 people, and you're worried that there's no bread in the boat? And then, look, look they, they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. They began to talk with each other that they, they were lacking something. And how often we allow the enemy... When God has just done a miracle to go back and begin to talk about the lack that we have instead of what God can do in a situation. Because God wanted their faith to come up to a new level. So God wants you to experience him. He so wants you to experience his love and experience his deliverance. And they go on and listen to this. He says, why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? I'm, I'm sure he's doing the yah, yah, yah. The flat forehead. Do you not yet see? Do you not yet see who I am? And we have situations right now. God wants us to see who he is. Do you not understand? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember what I have done? God wants us to remember what he has done in our lives. God wants us to begin to see at a different level, to hear at a different level. And he has given that to us as a gift. The Holy Spirit is so with us. And he will give us ears that hear and eyes that see. Begin to see how this amazing God can do way beyond what we can imagine in every situation. 
as we step out and see him part waters and do amazing things. And that word understand, it means understanding that comes from experience. So he's saying, did you not experience the miracle that I just did? And he actually took them through. It's like almost a class when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000. How many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? I'm sure they were sitting there, 12. <laughs> then he goes, I broke the seven for the 4,000. How many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? Seven. And then he says, do you not yet understand? And that word is so bathed in understanding that comes from experience. So what Alex talked about is God so wants to build more and more and more into our lives through experiencing God, experiencing his miracles, experiencing his healing. Does it take risk? Yes. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Why do you think he gave us the Holy Spirit who's called what? The Comforter. Because he knew you would need the comfort of the Holy Spirit to walk in this amazing life with God. And the last thought is, in, 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 if you see this in the sowing of the seed, it's the same, same truth. In the sowing of the seed, Matthew 13, same word. The same word, understand. He, he gives the, the parable. He ends in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. Same thing. Who has ears, let him hear. They ask him about it. Verse 11, he says, To you has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them has not been, has not been granted. It's such a gift for God to open our eyes, open our ears, so we can step in and participate in what he's doing. The Father's business is the best business in town. Jesus said, I'm going to be about my father's business. I don't know what business you are in, but, the, but you're there for the father's business. And it is the best business in town, and it is going on 24-7. And we have an invitation, that song, yes, come, to step into the father's business with him. Whoever has, to, he says, to more shall be given, and he will have an abundance He's talking about the same parable. Whoever has, more shall be given him, and he will have an abundance. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. So seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear, but you, you will see, and you are hearing. He says, so you can understand. He uses the same word, which means experience brings more understanding. And more understanding brings more experience of God. And you get more and more and more. So, so the way to have more is to experience God's word, to experience his power, to experience his love, as Alex talked about, to experience God and what he wants to do in and through our lives. And he goes on and says, Hear then the parable of the sower, in verse 19, when someone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand. You can put experience right there. He who hears the word of the kingdom and does not experience it, <laughs> the enemy comes and takes it away. 
And that's the, that's the start of religion. Well, you hear the word of God every week if you don't experience it. I know this place has nothing to do with that. <laughs> but you guys are positioned for more. I'm telling you, you're positioned for more. I, as I drove onto the property here, I, I actually said to the prayer Jabez came alive. God is expanding your borders. He's calling you to expand your experience, your borders of your experience. You're going to see things you've never seen before. I'm talking about corporately, but I'm also talking about you as, a, as believers, that you're going to experience the power of God like never before. And you're going to be at that ski slope when there's someone in front of you. I don't have silver and gold, but what I have, I'm going to give you. And you're going to experience the power of God, and you're going to get more. Because as you step out and experience God, you understand more and more of God and who He is. And then you get more, and then you step out some more, and you get more. To those who have more, what, what's going to happen? More will be given. And when that happens, the Word of God goes from your, your mind to your heart. And the enemy cannot touch it. And that's where it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. As you experience who God is. And the prayer of Jabez, I believe, is so important for this place because, you know, the, his name meant pain, right? Because his mother probably had pain in, in, in his birth. Call him pain. But what happened with Jabez is that he fought through that pain. And he said, God, expand my borders. And you guys are, are, are walking through the your pain of your past. And you're stepping into an abundance. You're stepping into a place where God is expanding your borders. That God is bringing you the understanding through experience of his love for people. Love for yourself. That he's changing your identities. He's giving you authority for the goodness of God to flow through you. And you've not let the pain in the past to stop you. But you're going to experience more and more and more of the power of God. I'll never forget. <clears throat> I'll never forget when I, I was a, um, one of my dental professors started coming to our church. And his wife came to me. You know, and he'd been there for, for a few months. I don't know what you, what you think about people that are kind of big in your life. He, he, he taught me at the dental school. And then he shows up at my church and came down and got communion and, and all that. And I just always, you know, said, Dr. Sneed, Dr. Sneed. And uh, his wife came to me crying one Sunday morning. He said, Dan was just in total, just total pain. And she was just crying, but, he, but he's here. He made it, and he's sitting over there in the back. So would you pray for him? And I don't know, praying for him was just kind of like praying for your boss or praying for a king or whatever. You know, it's just, and I knew he wasn't, um, he was just experiencing what our atmosphere is like because they'd come from a very traditional church. I had all that going on in my mind. How, I, how am I going to pray for him? So, but doing communion, uh, after, after the word was spoken, we had response time where we just began to move around the whole, the whole room. It's kind of like holy chaos. It's kind of cool. And I walked, I walked up to him and I said, Dan, he was sitting on his seat. And, um, you know, we had 
not like those chairs. We have an opening in the back. So he's sitting there, and I said, Dr. Dan, so I understand you have a bad back. He said, yeah, he says, I'm in pain. And um, I said, can I pray for you? And he, he looked side to side like this, and he said, okay, you can pray for me because he's a real private person. And then I said, well, Dan, I saw the opening in the back. I said, where is it hurting you? He said, and he put his hand back there, right there, right at the belt line. I said, Dan, Dr. Dan, can I put my hand on your back where it hurts? And I could tell he was kind of uncomfortable. He looked around again. He said, okay. <laughs> and I tell you, I was nervous. I was, I mean, I had, I didn't feel like I had any faith. But I just basically put my hand on his back. And I said, back be healed. And I said, I just fumbled something like, there's no bad backs in heaven. And Jesus said, heaven on earth. And I said, amen. And I'm going to tell you, God is... They totally healed Dr. Dan. Totally healed him. Yeah. Woo! In fact, he, uh, he was supposed to have surgery. He never had surgery. And he uh, bought a tractor. His wife told me the other day, he's bought a tractor. He's like clearing lots. So it's just that, I tell you, we have to know and believe that God wants us to experience him. He wants us to see the goodness of God come in people's lives. The last verse I wanted to give you real quick was Isaiah, Isaiah 40. This is for you. This is for this church. Isaiah 40, verse 9. Get yourself up on a high mountain, O Zion, you bearer of good news. Lift up your voice mightily, O Jerusalem, bearer of good news. Lift it up and do not fear. Say to your city, Behold, here is your God. Behold, your Lord God will come with might, and his mighty arm is ruling for him, and his reward is with him. Amen. We got to go. We got to get into the parking lot. But let's pray together. Stand with me. Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.